got the horse right here, the name is Paul Revere. And here's a guy that says if the weather's clear, can do, can do. This guy says the horse can do, if he says the horse can do, can do, can do. I pick him Valentine, cause on the morning line, the guy has got him figured at five to nine. But look at Epitaph, he went to buy a half, according to this here in the telegraph. For Paul Revere, I'll bite, I hear his foot's all right. Of course, it all depends if it rained last night. I know it's Valentine, cause on the morning line, the guy has got him figured at five to nine. But just a minute, boys, I got some V-Bucks. Says the great grandfather was equipoise. I tell you, Paul Revere, now this is no bum steer. It's from a handicapper that's real sincere. I know it's Valentine, the morning works look fine. You know the jockey's brother's a friend of mine. So make it epitaph, he wins it by a half. According to this here in the telegraph. Epitaph, I got the horse. Michael Weber, Artistic Director of Chicago's Porchlight Music Theater. Today is another special broadcast on WPMT. We're going to explore the origins of one of Broadway's biggest hit musicals, Guys and Dolls, as we present the radio adaptations of two stories by author Damon Runyon that are the inspirational source material for what would become the Tony Award-winning Best Musical of 1951. Guys and Dolls was conceived by producers Cy Fuhrer and Ernest Martin as an adaptation of Damon Runyon's short stories, written in the 1920s and 1930s, concerning gangsters, gamblers, and other characters of the New York underworld. Runyon was known for the unique dialect he employed in his stories, mixing highly formal language and slang. 
Frank Lesser, who had spent most of his career as a lyricist for movie musicals, was hired as composer and lyricist. The great author-director George S. Kaufman was hired as director. When the first version of the show's book, written by Joe Swirling, was deemed unusable, Fuhrer and Martin asked radio comedy writer A. Burroughs to rewrite it. Lesser had already written much of the score to correspond with the first version of the book. Burroughs later recalled, quote, Frank Lesser's 14 songs were all great, and the new book had to be written so that the story would lead into each of them. Later on, the critics spoke of the show as integrated. The word integration usually means that the composer has written songs that follow the storyline gracefully. Well, we accomplished that, but we did it in reverse, unquote. The two Damon Runyon stories that predominantly make up the basis for Guys and Dolls are The Idol of Miss Sarah Brown and Blood Pressure. Characters and plot elements were also taken from other Runyon stories, such as Pick a Winner. All these stories and more were dramatized as half-hour radio episodes on the Damon Runyon Theater, broadcast from January to December of 1949, with reruns well into the early 1950s. 52 of Runyon's short stories were produced for the program. We lead off our Guys and Dolls double feature with The Idol of Miss Sarah Brown. Published in 1933, the story features the characters Sky Masterson and Sarah Brown in what would become the central relationship of the musical. Here is actor John Brown as narrator and in the role of Broadway, a frequent participant in the stories, in the February 6th 1949 episode of the Damon Runyon Theater. The Damon Runyon Theater. Once again, the Damon Runyon Theater brings you another story by the master of storytellers, Damon Runyon. And this one, the idol of Miss Sarah Brown. And to tell it to you, here is Broadway. Thanks. Well, maybe you never hear of a citizen who is known as the Sky. And also, maybe you never hear of Miss Sarah Brown. It is a fact that any character along Broadway will lay more than a little six to five that the Sky and Miss Sarah Brown are as far apart as the North and South Pole. This is because the Sky is a gambler and Miss Sarah Brown is a mission worker and a 100% all right doll. But they do get together, and how this is done is a story that hardly anyone believes. But it is true, and I will tell you about it in a minute. And now, back to the Damon Runyon Theater and the famous story... The Idol of Miss Sarah Brown. As I am saying, Miss Sarah Brown is a mission worker, and the sky is a gambler. How he gets that name is because there is no limit on a bet he will take or make. The sky is the limit with him. And he is very smart. Like the day we are at the polo grounds at the ball game. 
the game is over, and the sky and me are walking across the diamond when we are approached by a character who is called Bates. Now, this Bates is a hard citizen, and he is also a big better. The sky is eating peanuts, which he pulls from his pocket, and we are near second base when Bates comes up to us. And the scene is as follows. Hiya, Broadway. Hi, Low Bates. sky. Oh. Well, Sky, you win or lose on the game today. I win? Not me. I lose a hundred on the game. That's so. I win five. Have a peanut. Thanks. Broadway? Oh, thanks. Ah. No. It was only that punk throw from second to home that makes me lose the C note. A good throw would catch the runner and I'm in. I get a bad break. Yeah, that's a pretty big throw from second to home plate. Yeah. You know, I was a pretty good ball player when I was a kid. Not so bad now. Yeah? Yeah, and I still say if the throw is good, the Dodgers do not get the run, and I am in. Hmm. Bet I could make the throw from second to home plate. So what? Anybody with an arm could do it. Bet I could throw one of those peanuts from second base to home plate. You're crazy. A peanut is too light to throw that far. Maybe. Wait a minute, Sky. You are now standing on second base. You are willing to bet you could throw a peanut from here to home plate? Mm-hmm. In the air, not roll it on the ground? In the air. You're crazy, Sky. A peanut is a very light object and would not travel 20 feet through the air. I'm willing to make a bet. Tell you what, Bates. You've had a bad day. I'm in a good mood. I'll lay you three to one. I can toss a peanut from here to the plate. You serious, Sky? Very. I have exactly 100 potatoes in my pocket. Will you put 300 against it? Mm-hmm. Broadway? Here. Here's my three C's. And here is my C note. Now, go ahead, Sky. Toss the peanut. You, uh... You don't mind if I pick out a big one, huh? As big as you want. Hmm. Does, uh, does this one look satisfactory to you, Bates? Sure, go ahead. Toss. Would you like to try it first with this peanut? I'm willing to bet you you can't do it. No, you don't, Sky. You make the bet. You pick the peanut. You throw it. Like you say, I make the bet. All right, Broadway, stand back. Here goes. <clears throat> it is impossible, but it is done. It... It went into the stands. On the fly over home plate. I told you I was a pretty good ball player. I, uh, I will now take the C-note. There is something fishy about this. Broadway is a witness that I offered the peanut to you first. Is that right, Broadway? It is very correct. So long, Bates. I do not understand this. I do not understand it. <laughs> Why are you laughing? It was too easy. I do not see how you do it. Well, Broadway, it just so happens that I have one peanut in my pocket that is weighted with lead. Lead? <laughs> How does it happen that there is a peanut with lead in it? They are usually full of peanuts. Well, I just happen to have it with me in case I want to make just such a bet. However, I offered it to Bates first, so I didn't cheat. Mm, that is right. It is a fine point, but it is correct. Sky, you are a very smart man. No, not smart, Broadway. Just careful. Because my father once told me something. Like what? I remember that he said to me a long time ago, he said, Son, someday you're going to meet a man who will pull out a new deck of cards with the seal still on it. He'll offer to bet you that the jack of spades will jump out of the deck and squirt cider in your ear. <laughs> Do not take that bet, my father says. Because as sure as you're a foot high, you'll get an ear full of cider. I tell you that to show you what kind of a citizen the sky is. And he is honest. It is just that sometimes he ensures a bet. 
But there is no character from Broadway to Los Angeles who will not take this guy's word. It is as good as wheat in the bin. He is never crooked, and he hates citizens who are. But one day, we are walking along Broadway when suddenly he stops and points. Broadway. Look. Huh? Where? Who is that? Well, I see no one but Harry the horse. And you need no introduction to him. No, 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 you... not Harry. I'm talking about the doll. What doll? The one in uniform. Oh, that one. Oh, that is Miss Sarah Brown. Miss Sarah Brown. I don't get the uniform. She's working for a mission. What does she do? What she is doing now, she collects money for the mission. Oh, she's quite a lovely doll. 100% all right. I take it you know her, huh? Just from seeing her around. Oh. If you are thinking of meeting her, it is better that you put it out of your mind. Why? Because she has nothing to do with citizens of our ilk. Oh? She doesn't like us, huh? Not very much. She does not even accept money for her mission from us. Mm-hmm. She's very young to be doing such work. There is no accounting for tastes. Oh, she's the kind of doll I'd like to meet. If you like, I will attempt an introduction. No, never mind. But you are just saying that you... I know, I know. Forget it. I guess her type would think we're a bunch of bad citizens. Yeah, I guess so. Broadway, where were you born? Right here. Uh-huh. I was born in Colorado. Know where that is? Is it possible to reach it by the subway? <laughs> not quite. Then I do not know. Well, what I was going to say was... Yeah? Sometimes I remember the farm, the people. And I remember there was a girl. A doll? Yeah, as you say, a doll. I liked her, Broadway. She... She looked a lot like this Miss Sarah Brown. Is there a possibility this doll you speak of and Miss Brown could be one and the same? No, Broadway. There's no possibility. No possibility at all. Oh, I see. Okay, Broadway, let's move on. I have a date with a poker game. Well, I do not see the sky for a couple of days after that. But one night, I get a funny report that the sky is missing quite a few big games. But that is not like him. So I nose around, and I learn that he goes quite often to the mission where Miss Sarah Brown works. I do not believe this, and I am willing to lay more than a little six to five. It is not true. So I go to the mission to see with my own eyes. Sure enough, in the mission sits this guy. I walk over to him, and the scene is as follows. Broadway, what are you doing here? I could ask the same question of you, Scott. Yeah, sit down. Here? In here? Well, if you want to stay, sit down. Okay. Why'd you come here? I hear something very funny. Oh, about me, huh? That is correct. <laughs> well, it's true. Miss Sarah Brown, huh? Miss Sarah Brown. She knows who you are? No. And Broadway... What, guy? If by any chance it should slip from your lips about what or who I am, I'll be very angry and take steps, you understand? I understand. Here she comes. Hello there. Good evening, Miss Brown. How are you, Mr. Sky? Oh, fine, just fine. Oh, uh, this, uh, this is a friend of mine. His name is Broadway. Oh, I'm so glad, Mr. Broadway. We get so few people who come here. It's good to see a new face. Business is not good, I take it? <laughs> no, it's not good. I guess people aren't very interested in their souls. Maybe people don't know they have them until it's too late, huh? You've been very kind, Mr. Skye. Your contributions have helped us so much. The new organ is your doing. What? 
Maybe I do not hear right. You hear right. Mr. Skye has been more than generous. It's been more than a pleasure, Miss Brown. Oh, please call me Sarah. And you have a first name, surely? I... just... just call me Skye. Everybody does. But why? It's such an odd name. Yeah, it is. Well, just call me that, huh? All right. Uh, Sarah, maybe after the mission closes, uh, we... you and I... I Oh, what I mean is maybe a, a cup of coffee. Oh, we have coffee here. Please stay and have some. In here? Why not? All right. Well, I, I guess I got to be gone. Oh, no, please. Stay with us. Yeah, stay, Broadway. But Miss Brown asked you to stay, Broadway. And I'd like it very much if you did. Good. That's settled then. And now, if you'll excuse me for a minute, I have some things to do. I never see a doll look at me the way she looks at you, Sky. Broadway, I've made a lot of money in my racket, but you know what? What? I'd be willing to drop every potato I own if I didn't get it the way I did. Well, that is that. It is easy to see that the sky is over the boards, but good. Every night he goes down to the mission, and every night he stays for coffee with Miss Sarah Brown. All the citizens are talking about it and are not able to figure the angle. But I know that the sky and Miss Brown are in love. But I wonder what is going to happen when she finds out about it. I find out one night when the sky, me, and some of the boys are sitting in Mindy's. Suddenly, the sky looks up and says, Sarah, Sarah. Yes, Sarah. I, uh, I, I was just coming to the mission. I'd rather you wouldn't come there anymore. Maybe I better leave. No, stay, Mr. Broadway. I want to say something. Maybe you'd be interested, too. Will you sit down, Sarah? Yes. Yes, I will. How big a laugh have you had, Mr. Skye? Laugh? It was easy, wasn't it? What do you mean? It was so simple. I was so simple. Oh, look, Sarah, You were so generous to us. You were a very big man among all the little people. Is that what you came here to say? Not quite all. I found out tonight who you are and what you are. I wouldn't have minded knowing who. But what you are, I can't accept that. Miss Brown, I've never cheated. I've never done anything dishonest in my life. You waited until you found me before you became dishonest. I am not dishonest. I call it that, Mr. Skye. But I'm not as big a fool as you think. You thought I'd accept you because of what you've done, but I won't. I despise you. As... As much as I liked you before, I despise you now. Maybe you'll tell me why. I don't have to tell you. Your own conscience, your own soul will do that. I've had men look at me before. I knew why. But they were honest men, Mr. Skye. They didn't pretend to be anything other than what they were. You did. I gave the money because I wanted to. I'm sorry we can't return the money you gave us. But I can ask you to stay away from the mission. And me. That's all, Mr. Skye. Goodbye. I never hear a doll talk like that before. Yeah. I thought it was a sure thing. But it looks like I got an ear full of cider. Well, you may think that is the end of the story, but it is not. And how it ends is something for the books. And I will tell you about it in a minute. 
And now, back to the Damon Runyon Theater and the famous story, The Idol of Miss Sarah Brown. Well, like I am saying, Miss Sarah Brown comes into Mindy's that night and ticks off the sky. Furthermore, she has nothing to do with him from then on. And when the sky meets Miss Brown on the street, he keeps walking straight ahead. And she does likewise. Then one night, I accompany the sky to a little game at Nathan Detroit's place, where a few of the boys are playing at dice. And what happens there is something that everybody still talks about. It is like this. We walk in and watch for a couple of minutes. Then the sky walks over to Bates, who is also watching the game. Milky Willie has the dice, and he is rolling. The sky says as follows to Bates. How's he doing, Bates? Milky I wish I have his luck. He's hot, huh? Like a firecracker. Six passes in a row. Uh-huh. Hiya, Milkier. Ah, hello, Sky. You are going to play? Maybe. Stick with me and make a million. Here they go. <laughs> that makes seven in a row. <laughs> I wish I had your luck. How does it happen you're not playing, Bates? Because I have no potatoes. I am out of the lettuce. In short, I am broke. But if I have some... I would ride with Milkier. <laughs> ride with me and make a million. How about it, Sky? Will you? Maybe later, not now. All right, here it goes. Six, a little six. Easiest point to make. <laughs> he can make that without rolling the dice. You think so, Bates? The way he's been going, I couldn't do that to save my soul. What did you say? I said I couldn't do that to save my soul. Milkier. Uh, yeah? Hold it a minute. Don't throw. What? When I'm hot? I want to get down to bet. Sure, I tell you, ride with me and you're in. I'll bet against you making that six. You will bet against my making a three-way point? I will. How much? $1,000. I hear you right. You will bet a 1000 against my rolling a six? I'll bet you don't. But I'll bet against Bates. I tell you, there's nothing in my pocket but fingers. And I'm not sure about those. I'll bet a 1000 against your soul. My... my soul? That's right. If Milkier doesn't throw a six, I win. Your soul goes to the mission. My what? Goes where? Your soul goes to the mission. Wait a minute. I do not like to have anybody's soul riding on my dice. It's his soul, Milkier. Well, Bates, what do you say? Well, Bates? How you feel, Milkier? You better make up your mind soon before I cool off. A grand against my soul. If I lose, I go to Miss Sarah Brown's mission. That it? That's it. I... Well... Okay. You got a bet. And if you lose, you better keep your bet. You got it? We will see to it that he does not welsh, Sky. You feel all right still, Milkier? It is a three-way point, and I feel good. You got a bet, Sky. <laughs> Go ahead, Milkier. Roll him. Right. Come on. <sighs> a five. Come on, Milkier. We'll do better this time. <laughs> a six. Yeah. <laughs> Looks like you owe me a grand, Sky. Here it is. Pick it up. It's yours. I got a thousand bucks. I will now get in the game. That is a bad bet you made, Sky. It's worth it. Don't forget the night is still young. Well, like the Sky says, the night is still young. And it is not long before Bates takes the dice because now he has a thousand potatoes. And what happens is that he hits a streak and wins. He figures it is his night, and it looks to be a fact, because he makes one pass after another. Finally, he throws a four, which is a hard point to make. And it is at this point that he looks at the sky and says as follows. Sky, 
I will take the odds off you on this one. I know you don't want my dough. I know you only want my soul for Miss Sarah Brown. Is that right? That's right. Why? I am now in the money and my price goes up. Will you lay me 10,000 against my soul that I do not make this for? It's a bet. 10 G's against his soul? That's it, Milkier. Here we go, Skye. Uh... Look at that. He makes a four, double deuce. Looks like you owe me 10,000, Skye. So it does. You have 10 G's, do you not? Did anyone ever say I welched on a bet? You're as good as Times Square. Broadway. Yes, guy. Do me a favor, will you? Run over to my hotel with this key. I'll call the clerk. Tell him to open the safe and take out my money. And you bring it over here. Well, sure. Uh, how many potatoes you got there? About a hundred thousand. A hundred grand? What's your idea, Sky? It's my idea to keep betting against anyone who wants to bet. Who keeps the dice? You do, Bates. Until when? Until I win your soul for Miss Sarah Brown, or you win all my money. Well, what do you say? <laughs> I say you got yourself a deal. Okay. Broadway, get going. So I get Sky's money from the hotel. And it is quite a bundle. And it is not long before news of what's going on gets around the stem. And Nathan Detroit's place is packed with citizens. And the sky is taken all bets. Every character who has a fin, a sawbuck, or a deuce is laying another line against the sky. All the sky bets for is the guy's soul. But Bates is plenty hot and never misses. It is not long before the sky's money is down to a very thin shadow of its former self. Then the scene is as follows. How much you got left, Sky? I figure it, uh, 5,000. Want to keep it for a stake, or... I'll bet it. There's only one thing wrong with that. No? What's wrong with it? At this point, my soul is worth more than five grand. It has been increasing in value right along. What's your pitch? I'll take the five, and you'll mark her for 20,000. 20 grand? Sky, you're nuts if you take that bet. Maybe so, Milky. You'll be in the hole. You'll owe that if you lose. I'll still take the bet. But why? Listen, Sky. I figure one soul sent to Miss Sarah Brown is worth it. One guy. Just one. Throw the dice, Bates. Okay. This watch Bates I shake the dice. We know that if the Sky loses this bet, he's cooked. But I see that he is watching Bates with a funny look on his face. And he is reaching slow-like for an inside coat pocket. I back away because I want no part of fireworks. I am not able to figure what Sky is doing or what is wrong. And then Bates rolls. A natural. A seven. You're very lucky tonight, Bates. Like you say, I am very lucky. You owe me 20 G's. I owe you 20 G's. Maybe. Huh? What do you mean, maybe? Just that. Bates... Good evening, everyone. Holy cats, Miss Sarah Brown. Good evening, Mr. Skye. Good evening, Miss Brown. Hey, what are you doing here? How'd you get in? I walked in. I see almost everyone is here. Yes, that's right. How many souls have you won for me? None. I seem to be about half out of luck. I see. Don't you think you're taking too much upon yourself? I can win all the souls I need myself. I tried to help. In your way. In my way. Have you ever thought of your own soul, Mr. Skye? Sometimes. I see. 
Either way, when I heard this was going on, I wondered about something. What? Are you risking your soul on these bets, or just your money? My money. But not your soul. All right, Mr. Skye. I'll gamble with you. What do you mean? I know something about gambling. I should. It ruined my father and my brother. It broke my mother's heart. Yes, I know something about gambling. Will you gamble with me, Mr. Skye? Look, Miss Brown, maybe you better go. No. I'll gamble with you on the same terms that you gambled with everyone here. I will bet one dollar against your soul. That's all I have. <laughs> one buck, one Shut buck. Shut up, Nokia. Miss Brown, that's a very small bet. It's a very small soul. Bates. Yeah? Give her the dice. Huh? Hey, listen, I don't... Bates, give her the dice. But I'm... You heard me, Bates. Sure, Sky. Here you are, Miss Brown. Thank you. Do we have a bet, Mr. Sky? One dollar against the life you lead. One dollar against your soul. Will you keep the bet? I never welch. That's right, Miss Brown. He's good for it. That is correct, Miss Brown. All right. Roll the dice. Eleven. She wins. There is a dead hush. Miss Brown looks up at the sky. The sky looks at Miss Brown with a little smile on his lips. Then he says... I never will shun a bet. You're a fool. You're a fool. I love you, Miss Sarah Brown. I hate you. I hate you. I hate you. Let me out of here. Please let me out. Yeah, it's like I said. I'm half out of luck. But the half I've got left, it's pretty good. Well, that is that. But it is not, really. The payoff comes some weeks later. And what the payoff is, I will tell you in a minute. uniform, and he is looking happy and better than I ever see him look. He is walking with Miss Sarah Brown when he sees me. He, he says something to her, and she goes into a store. Then the sky comes over to me. Hello, Broadway. Oh, sky, how goes it? Oh, fine. For the first time in my life, I'm, I'm happy, Broadway. And Miss Brown? She is Mrs. Sky. Well, congratulations. Thanks. Uh, Bates is looking for you. Is he? Collect his bet, I guess, huh? It would seem to be the case. I owe him nothing. I've got those dice we used that night, Broadway. Huh? Wait a minute. I remember. I see you look at him funny-like. Sure. Phony dice? Phony dice. But, Broadway... Yeah? Don't do anything about it. But he uses phony dice. That is a crime. No, no, Broadway. You see, Mrs. Sky thinks she beat me at my own game for my soul. I wouldn't like her to think anything else. Because this time, I didn't get the ear full of cider.
And so ends the famous Damon Runyon story, The Idol of Miss Sarah Brown. Listen in again next week to... The Damon Runyon Theater. The Damon Runyon Theater with John Brown as Broadway is directed by Richard Sandville and the stories adapted for radio by Russell Hughes. This is a Mayfair production. the second part of our Guys and Dolls double header with the story Blood Pressure, featuring the characters Nathan Detroit, Harry the Horse, and Angie the Ox, here featuring guest actor Sheldon Leonard as Rusty Charlie in the April 10th, 1949 episode of the Damon Runyon Theater. <laughs> Damon Runyon Theater.
Once again, the Damon Runyon Theater brings you another story by the master storyteller, Damon Runyon. And this one, Blood Pressure. And to tell it to you, here is Broadway. Thanks. It is maybe 11.30 of a Wednesday night, and I am standing at the corner of 48 and Broadway, thinking about my blood pressure. Now, this is a proposition I never give much thought to before. In fact, I never hear of it before I go to see Doc Brennan on this Wednesday of which I speak. Now... The reason I think of my blood pressure goes back to that afternoon. And what happens after that is enough to put me in the rack for good. And I will tell you about it in a minute. And now, back to the Damon Runyon Theater and the comic masterpiece, Blood Pressure. As I am saying, I never think about my blood pressure before that Wednesday afternoon when I go to see Doc Brennan because I am feeling a little like the lining of a $5 suit of clothes. I go to see Doc Brennan, and the scene is as follows. Well, 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 Broadway. I'm a little surprised to see you here. I am a little surprised myself. But to tell the truth, Doc, I am a little seedy. Oh? In what way? I, I seem to have something wrong with me which I cannot get over. Okay, Broadway, have a chair. We'll look you over. Sure. Uh, diet pretty regular? When I eat, it is very regular. Uh, colds? No. Hmm. All right, we'll take a look at your blood pressure. My what? Blood pressure. Ever had it taken? I do not even know I have such a thing. Well, I'm afraid everyone has it, if he's alive. Uh, roll up your sleeve. Uh, way up. What are you going to do? Take your blood pressure. With that thing? Oh, come on, come on. Stop acting like a baby. Now put your arm on the table. Uh, palm up. Now, we'll just wrap this around your arm up here. You are choking my arm. Now, we'll see. That is not my temperature going up in that thermometer, is it? <laughs> if it were, we could bake pies in your head. No, it's your blood pressure. Hmm. How am I? You're a nervous man, aren't you? I have some moments like that, yes. I thought so. Uh, Broadway, take it easy for a while. How long have I got? Oh, it's nothing like that. Now, just relax. Take it easy. Your blood pressure is way over normal, so you've got to avoid excitement. Any kind. Doc, that is not easy to do. Well, you've got to, unless you want the top of your head to blow off. Oh, when I come in here, I know there is something wrong. <laughs> ah, don't be so alarmed. Just do as I say. Relax. Avoid excitement, undue strain. You'll be all right in a couple of weeks. Thanks. I will be seeing you. Certainly. Uh, that'll be ten dollars. Ten, Bob? I... Okay, okay. Thanks. Uh, come back and see me in a week, Broadway. Sure. So long. So I leave Doc Brennan's office feeling low with high blood pressure. I take it easy for the rest of the day. Then I have something to eat at Mindy's and take in a movie. And then, like I say before, it is about 11.30, and I am standing at the corner of 48 and Broadway. I am thinking about my blood pressure when I feel that somebody is standing next to me. I look up, and what happens is like this. Well, 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 here we are. Oh, hello, Rusty. What is the score? Oh, just about even. 
I am glad to see you, Broadway. You are? Yes, because I'm looking for company. I just get back from Philadelphia. Oh, you are just back from Philly? Yeah, I was there on business. Business? Yeah. You hear about it? All I hear is that Gloomy Gus meets with an accident in Philly. Yeah. He is now in a hospital. Oh? He is likely to be there for quite a spell. At this much, I can imagine. He should ought not to have welched on a bet. Somebody got to him for doing it. I wonder who the somebody is. I have no idea. Have you? No, no, no idea. The cops are looking for the citizen who plays soccer with Gloomy Gus. I can imagine. However, that is neither here nor there. Uh, what are you doing? Oh, I am just on my way home. You are just standing when I come up to you. I am resting. You are tired? Doc Brennan tells me I need to take it easy because my blood pressure is up. Up where? From what he says, it is about a foot and a half over my head. Well, good night. Just a second. What? How much dough do you have on you? Oh, I do not have more than a couple of bobs, Rusty. But you are welcome to it. Here. A couple of bobs is no good to high-class guys like you and me. Hey, uh, let us go someplace where we can pick up a few pounds. I huh? have got to go home. I wish company. Yeah, but, Rusty... I hear there is a little dice game at Nathan Detroit's. You will accompany me. I gotta go home. I, I gotta put my blood pressure to bed. You do not like my company? Any other time I will be glad, but now I... Pretend it is some other time. Come on. The two bombs you've got will just get us a taxi to Nathan Detroit's place. <laughs> wondering why I am so anxious not to go with Rusty Charlie. Well, when I tell you that he once takes on Harry the Horse, Little Mitzi, and Angie the Ox all at one time, you will have more than somewhat of an idea how rough Rusty Charlie is. And there is bound to be excitement, not to mention trouble, wherever he goes. But one does not argue with Rusty when his mind is made up. So we find ourselves a little later at Nathan Detroit's place, where a little game is in progress. We walk in, the citizens look up. Rusty Charlie! Well, now why does everyone stop talking? Well, uh, to tell the truth, it is a little surprised to see you here, Rusty. Oh, you think I am in Philly, huh, Louis? Yes. I am not. Like you say, you are not. Hey, look, boys, do not let me disturb the proceedings. Proceed with them. Eh... Uh, yeah, Louis. Nothing. Go on with the game. The various citizens do not like this. In fact, several of them give us nasty looks. Harry the horse gives me one that raises my hat because he figures I steer Rusty Charlie to the game. I can feel my blood pressure pushing my veins out like inner tubes. And that is not all. The dice comes to Rusty Charlie, and I know he has no money. But he takes them, looks around, and the scene is as follows. Seems that the little cubes are now mine, huh? <laughs> sure they are, Rusty. Ah, good. Uh, Louie, uh, give me your derby hat. Huh? My hat? What for? You ask too many questions, just pass me the iron lid. Sure. Sure, Rusty. Thanks. Now, uh, any of you guys ever hear of peekaboo dice? Well? Uh, I, I never hear of it. 
And well, it is a very popular game in some quarters, and I will now teach it to you. What is it like, Rusty? I will show you. I, uh, I shake the dice like this. Then I toss them in a hat, so. See, catch on. We are not able to see the dice. That is why it is called peekaboo dice. I will now play for keeps. That way? You do not like it? Uh, sure. Sure. Anybody else who does not wish to learn this fascinating new game? <coughs> you say something, Edgy? I just clear my throat. Okay. Here I go. Sure. Go ahead. I will shoot a hundred bucks. I cannot put it on the line because I am holding the dice in one hand and the hat in the other. So you will have to trust me for a minute. <laughs> Is uh, that okay? Sure. Well, who fades me? Angie, fade me. Now look, right. That what? You're faded. Okay. <laughs> Here I go. Well, 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 now, what do you know about that? Uh, what do you throw, Rusty? The hard point, a big ten. It was not a seven or eleven? No, no, I guess I am not too lucky tonight. <laughs> but I tell you what, Louie. What? Since this ten is a very hard point to make, I will uh, take the odds of two to one. That is about right for a ten. Good. Put up a thousand against my five C's. Me? Put up a grand that Go you... ahead. Maybe I will not make it. But I... Go ahead. All right. Here. Yeah. Here I go. I draw five. Well, I will have to try again. <laughs> oh, I am having a tough time tonight. That is an eight. But I will try again. <laughs> A ten, a ten, I make a ten. You do? He makes a ten. Well, I pick up the money. <laughs> now I am tired of playing. Come on, Broadway, let us go. I, I, I think I will stay here a while, Rusty, and watch the game. The night is very young. Not for me. Old age is already caught up with me. Ah, that's a lot of bunk. Come on. Now that we got dough, we'll do the town. It's all on me. Well, so long, boys. Goodbye, Broadway. Good luck, Broadway. Oh, Rusty. Yeah, Louis. About that ten that you make in my derby. What about that ten, Louis? I do not see the dice in the hat. <clears throat> I do not think I will have to worry about my blood pressure anymore, because this is the last I will ever hear of my blood. Be quiet, Broadway. Uh, now, Louis. What about that ten? Well. I would just like to know, do you make it the hard way? Yeah, yeah, I throw two fives. I make it the hard way. Well, uh, see you around, boys. I feel my back crinkling up when I leave the room because I think maybe somebody will take exception to Rusty Charlie's method of playing at dice. But we get to the street with our heads still on, and I think now I will leave him. I think wrong. The evening is still young, as he says. He is right. In fact, it is the longest evening I ever spend in my life. And how it ends is something I will tell you about in a minute.
And now, back to the Damon Runyon Theater and the comic masterpiece, Blood Pressure. Well, like I say, we leave Nathan Detroit's place and Rusty Charlie is 1,100 bobs better off than before. This, as you know, is due to a funny way he has of playing dice. So we stand on the street for a minute. Rusty is thinking. Then he looks up and says, How are you feeling now, Broadway? Oh, terrible. I feel like my blood is all gathered together on top of my eyes. Oh, that ain't good, is it? But as soon as I get some sleep and rest, it'll be all right, Doc Brennan says. You sure? What you need is a little quiet after that game upstairs. Okay. Okay. Rest and quiet it is. Oh, thanks, Rusty. Uh, for a very pleasant evening. Uh, I will now go home. Home? Well, that is what you say. I do not remember mentioning home. But the... It is only one o'clock in the morning. There will be a lot of noise around your hotel. That will not be good for you. I will put cotton in my ears. You will get an earache from that. No, I am worried about you because you have such a funny look on your face upstairs. <laughs> like you're scared. Who, oh, me? <laughs> In fact, you still look pale. You must rest. Sure, sure. Good night. I will take you to Nipo Halloran's Little Bohemian Club. Oh, no. Not there. Why not? You say I need rest and quiet. You will get it at Knife's place. At this time of the night, there is not much doing. Look, Rusty, last week two guys get bumped in there. There is always a fight. Well, not this time of the night. That is only when the rough citizens gather there. You and me will sit at a table... Just rest. Oh, Rusty, please. I gotta go home. Ah, there's a taxi. Hey, hey, taxi! Rusty, remember my blood pressure. I am thinking about it. Come on, get in. I do not wish to go. You will go. I need company. Little Bohemian Club, Bub. Yeah, and the name is Duke, not Bub. Okay, what do I care what your name is? Just get going. Do I not see you someplace before? Maybe. I've been places. Yeah, remember? Hey, I never forget a guy as big as you are. I used to fight for a living. I sure, heavyweight. Would have been champ. Only I broke my hand on a guy's head. I sure. Rusty, Rusty. What, bro? This guy is going too fast. He's doing 60. Yeah, yeah. Hey, you, slow it down, will you? Hey, you hear me? (laughs) Slow it down. Well, what's the matter, scared? Slow it down. (laughs) <laughs> okay, hey, Duke, uh, this is when we get out. Huh? But you said the Bohemian. I changed my mind. We get out here. Okay, Bob. Say, Duke, uh, maybe you do not hear my friend tell you to slow it up. Look, I got so many trips to make in a night. I got to make time. My friend here is very sick. He cannot stand excitement. And you are driving too fast. Go boil an egg. Hey, 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 let go. Rusty, look out. Brother, you asked for this? Yeah. Look at him. He is out like a light. He could never have been a champ. Falls too easy. What do you hit him with? Just with my fist. Now, when you look at where we are, there's not a cab in sight. How will we get to the little Bohemian Club? We will not, huh? Well, we'll take this cab. Steal it? Borrow it. Come on. Hey, do you know that I once drive a cab for a living? Get in. But, but the cops will look for us. Broadway, get in. You cannot stand excitement. We must get you to Knife's place so that you can sit down where it is quiet. Oh, <laughs> 
never get that right. Rusty drives faster than Duke and looks in only one direction, straight ahead. He tells me later that side street traffic makes him nervous and he does not like to look at it. Then he ditches the cab a block from the little Bohemian Club and we walk to the club and go in. <laughs> See, there is hardly anyone here. We will sit down and be quiet. The cops will trace that cab. So what? I do not steal it. It is right on a street. You have a funny way of looking at things. Do not worry about it in your condition. Just take it easy. Here, we will sit here. I want to go home. You must rest, Feist. I will never forgive myself if anything happens to your blood pressure. What else is there left to happen to it? Ah, this is the life, Broadway. I got 1,100 bobs in my pocket. We're sitting in a nice, cozy little club, and you are getting some color back in your face. You see it as cozy in here? Look how dim the lights are. Knife runs this place good. He knows what his customers want. Yes, he does. Now relax, take it easy. You know, when I first see you tonight, I do not believe that story about your blood pressure. But since we are going around and about, I can see that you are telling the truth. It is sad to see one's friends go one by one. Please stop putting the lid down in my face. Why do you not shut your eyes and try to get some rest, huh? I will sit up with you. We sit there. I am too weak to get up. But Rusty has a good time seeing his friends. There are only one or two fights that night, and Rusty says he keeps out of them because of my blood pressure. It gets later and later, and finally it is about five in the morning. It seems I fall asleep in the chair, and it is not until I feel Rusty shaking my arm that I look up, and the scene is as follows. Hey, Broadway, look, coming out the door. Huh? Cops! You know, from the way they are looking around, I feel that they are looking for us. Us? Yeah. Rusty, remember, I asked you not to take that cab. I asked you not to come here. Broadway, it is not like you to desert a friend in need. Point one out to me. Do I let you stand at 48 in Broadway when I first see you? No, I feel sympathy for you because you are a sick man, and I spend the whole night trying to cheer you up and make you forget that you are at death's door. And now... And now those cops are coming over here. Yeah. I will have to convince them that I am innocent. How? Stand up. Again, I ask, how? I do not intend to spend some time in a clink, especially since I only borrowed a cab for a little ride. Stand up. We will face them together. I am able only to look up at them. Good morning, gentlemen. The fight does not last long because Rusty is pretty well limbered up due to the rest of the evening's activities. Before long, there are three gendarmes out of action. Rusty grabs me and carries me from the club, and it's not until we are a block away that he puts me down and says, Dare I get you out of that real nice? Oh, thanks. Do not mention it. Now I am going to do something else for you. Oh, no, Rusty, look, you do enough for me. I can ask no more of any friend. I am now going to take you home. Home? That beautiful word. But I, I am able to find my way home myself. I am going to take you to my home. You have a home? My wife will make us ham and eggs because it is now almost six o'clock and time for breakfast. You... you have a wife? 
Is there something strange about me having a wife? Uh, no, 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 of course not. Hey, will you meet a Broadway? Oh, you will be taken with her, like I was. Anyway, uh, how does ham and eggs and coffee sound to you? Anything will sound good to me, as long as it takes us in off of the streets. I never figured before that Rusty Charlie has a home, much less a wife. And I think what a wonderful life she must lead. Anyway, it is about a half an hour later that we get to the East 40s, and Rusty leads me to his house. It is very peculiar how all the people we meet there move to one side as Rusty goes past. Then we go upstairs, and Rusty unlocks a door. Standing in the room is a cute doll with red hair. She looks up as we look in, and the scene is as follows. Well, 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 Tootsie, I figured that you would be up and about. Yes, I'm up. You're awful late, Rusty. Oh, not for breakfast. <laughs> How about it, Tootsie? Oh, sure. And I wish you to meet a very good friend of mine, Tootsie. This is my dear companion, Broadway. Hey, Broadway, this is Tootsie. I am pleased to meet you, Mr. Broadway. How are you? I am fine. How are you? Well, that is what I am about to tell you, baby. Broadway is not a well man. No, I, I figure that putting on a cargo of your ham and eggs will do wonders, though. How about it? I'll have them ready in a jiffy. Sit down. You too, Broadway. Don't go away now. Hey, what do you think of a Broadway? Oh, I think she's a very pretty doll. But a real small one. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> no more than five feet even. It is funny to think of you having such a small doll for a wife. Oh, we are very happy. Well, I've started breakfast. Now you can both tell me where you went and what you did. I want to hear all about it. Yeah, well, Tootsie, uh, there I am, coming home early, and I am walking along when I run into my friend here. Uh, you know what he tells me? No. What does he tell you? He tells me that he is sick and is not going to live very long. So I figured that he needs cheering up. So we go around and about here and there. I see. He didn't die, did he? Oh, I think he looks a lot better than when we first start out. And he is a... Uh, uh, Tootsie... What, Rusty? Why are you holding one hand behind your back? Because I have something in it for you and your friend. Rusty, is that a baseball bat? I thought I got rid of that. But you didn't, you big lummox. Now, baby, wait. Come look. home at six in the morning, huh? Make her put that down, Rusty. It's too late. Bring company home for breakfast, well, huh? I... Tramp around all night and leave me at home, huh? Yeah, but... Expect me to smile when you put your big empty head in here, yeah, huh? Tootsie, be careful. Oh, hey, baby, you're heightening me. I told you the last time you pulled this trick, I'd teach you a lesson. Well... This is a lesson! Oh, take it easy, will you? Any excitement is bad for my friend here. And you! Who, me? Yes, you! So you're the trambo that keeps my husband out until all hours. You're the trambo that drags him around to nightclubs, huh? Please, Dutchie, I am a sick man! Get out of here before I fix it so that you'll never be able to get sick again! Get out! Hey, Tootsie, wait! Shut up, you! Get out! Goodbye! It is nice meeting you! I get out the door and listen for a couple of seconds to what is going on inside. I figured that any minute I will see Mrs. Rusty Charlie come through the door without opening it. But nothing more happens, and I figure this is the end of the most horrible evening I ever spent. But it is not the last I hear of it, because the payoff comes later on that day, and I will tell you about it in a minute. <laughs> Oh, 
I feel my head and discover that there is quite a knot on it from that baseball bat. So that afternoon, I go to Doc Brennan's again, and the scene is as follows. Mm-hmm. Quite a nasty bump, Broadway. How'd you get it? Just fix it up, Doc. Oh. All right, this may sting a little. Nothing can hurt me now. Uh, here we go. <laughs> it stuff stings, doesn't it? <sighs> Will the bump go down? You'll never know you had it in a couple of days. Uh, by the way, how are you feeling? As a matter of fact, Doc, I wish to speak to you about my blood pressure. Uh, it I won't think do it... any harm to check it again, just to make sure. Uh, roll up your sleeve and put out your arm like you did yesterday. You been taking it easy? Doc, I want to explain. Just relax. Now, get this on. I'm afraid to look. Well, well, well. Doc. You know, Broadway, I told you something yesterday. I wish all my patients were as smart as you. What? Good night's rest, relaxation. That's what you needed. Blood pressure's down to normal. Uh, Ten dollars, please. And so ends the famous Damon Runyon story, Blood Pressure. Listen in again next week for... The Damon Runyon Theater. Damon Runyon Theater with John Brown as Broadway is directed by Richard Sandville and the stories adapted for radio by Russell Hughes. Vern Carstensen is in charge of production. This is a Mayfair production. Hi, this is Portshot Music Theater's marketing associate, Lobo Tate. If you value programming like this, please consider making a donation today at porchlightmusictheater.org. We appreciate your consideration and we hope you enjoy the show. Today's guest star, Sheldon Leonard, a stage, radio, film, and television character player who specialized in Brooklyn-esque hoods and heavies, both serious and comic, in the 1940s and 50s, turned innovative and highly successful TV producer in the mid-1950s. He began his film career in the Overland stage in 1927, but returned to the Broadway stage, where he stayed until 1939. He then appeared in the film Another Thin Man, continuing to act in more than 70 films through the 1970s. Credited with introducing motion picture techniques to filming TV sitcoms and creating a spin-off after actor Andy Griffith made a guest appearance on The Danny Thomas Show, Sheldon Leonard also produced The Andy Griffith Show, which led to Gomer Pyle USMC and Mayberry RFD. Among the other immensely popular top-rated 1950s and 60s series he launched were The Real McCoys, I Spy, and The Dick Van Dyke Show. Music theater lovers best know Sheldon Leonard as Harry the Horse in the 1955 film version of, what else? Guys and Dolls. Thanks for listening, and we leave you now with one more hit from this great Broadway show. 
what's playing at the Roxy? I'll tell you what's playing at the Roxy. A picture about a Minnesota man so in love with a Mississippi girl that he sacrifices everything and moves all the way to Biloxi. That's what's playing at the Roxy. What's in the daily news? I'll tell you what's in the daily news. Story about a guy who bought his wife a small ruby with what otherwise would have been his union dues. That's what's in the daily news. What's happening all over? I'll tell you what's happening all over. Guy sitting at home by a television set who used to be something of a rover. That's what's happening all over. Love is a thing that has licked them. And it looks like Nathan's just another victim. Yes, sir, when you see a guy reach for stars in the sky, you can bet that he's doing it for some doll. When you spot a John waiting out in the rain, chances are he's insane, as only a John can be for a Jane. When you meet a gent paying all kinds of rent for a flat that could flatten a Taj Mahal. Call it sad, call it funny, but it's better than even money that the guy's only doing it for some dog. When you see a Joe saving half of his dough, you can bet they'll be minking it for some dog. When a bum buys wine, is under the thumb of some little broad. When you meet a mug lately out of the jug and he's still lifting platinum fal-de-ral. Call it hell, call it heaven. It's a probable 12 to 7 that the guy's only doing it for some doll. When you see a sport and his cash has run short, you can bet that he's banking it with some doll. When a guy wears tails with the front gleaming white, who the hell do you think he's tickling pink on Saturday night? When a lazy slob takes a good steady job and he smells from Vitalis and Barbasol. Call it dumb, call it clever, oh, but you can give odds forever that the guy's on. Theaters across the country need your support now more than ever. We hope you'll consider a donation to Porchlight Music Theater today. Just go to porchlightmusictheater.org. Until next time on Classic Musicals from the Golden Age of Radio, I'm Michael Weber. Michael Weber.